We are in our second week in our series on evangelism called One Small Step. And uh, it may seem strange that we're talking about the, the strength that the church has within the walls that are Jesus Christ. But uh, I think today we're going to understand something very important to, to how the gospel spreads, namely that it spreads through the visible presence of the body of Christ on this earth. Last week, we looked at the story of Jesus meeting with the Samaritan woman at the well and how she evangelized her own village just by pointing to Jesus, by telling them, look at this man who told me all that, there ever, that ever happened in my life. But this week, beyond just this individual interaction, I want us to think about what does it look like as the whole church together serves and seeks to, to, to tell others about, about Jesus? When I first came to Trinity back in 2014, we had a, a ministry team here called the E-Team. It was our evangelism team, and, and they did some really great things. They focused on not just how we are evangelizing out there, but how they might help encourage and equip the congregation to go out and share the, the story of Jesus at work in their lives. But, but as wonderful as it was, as many of the good things that they did, I, I wonder if maybe in hindsight we got it wrong. Right? Hear me out. I wonder if maybe we gave one another the opportunity to say, hey, uh, I'm so glad I don't have the gift of evangelism and that there are other people who do. I'm so glad there's a team of people at our church who focus on evangelism. Whew. That just makes me feel so much better because evangelism terrifies me, right? I think it kind of almost gives us permission to think that that's the job of someone else in the church, that I don't have to do that. Now, I get it. The body of Christ is made up of many different parts, and, and we need one another, and some parts function in, in certain ways, and other parts function in other ways. But, but hear me out. I think that when it comes to sharing the good news about Jesus, sharing the, the, the story and the, the truth about what Jesus does when he comes into the, the, the core of your life and takes over, I think that's at the core of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Now, evangelism is actually a part of being a disciple, right? Maybe you've heard the term evangelical in recent times, and, and good, good ways and bad ways, right? Evangelicalism is defined by having four pillars, four central uh, realities, truths, uh, affirmations that they hold to that would make someone, a, a, as a follower of Jesus, an evangelical. The, the first commitment is to the centrality of Jesus and his death on the cross, Right? Without having Jesus at the core of who we are, it, it, we lose our identity as someone who, who follows the gospel. The, the other pillar is the Bible being our highest authority, right? The greatest truth, the only truth, the, the authority for truth is the scriptures themselves. Another, uh, another um, pillar is the belief in being reborn into this new life in Christ, that by putting our faith in Jesus, we're invited into this new life. He recreates us and makes us new. Our past is no longer what defines us. It's this new life that we've been led into through Jesus's death and resurrection. And then lastly, this belief that we're called to spread the gospel in word and deed. This idea of evangelicalism has taken hold of that idea that we're called to share the faith, share our faith, and, and what Jesus has done in our lives with others. But beyond how evangelicalism has defined uh, the role of, of evangelism in the life of a follower of Jesus, I think it goes a little bit further back. 
In other words, before evangelicals put their finger on or their thumb on on evangelism as being uh, central to who we are as followers of Christ, I I think it's actually the, the, the definition of being a follower of Christ that defines our role and responsibility and our opportunity to share the good news of Jesus with other, with other people. In other words, evangelism is baked into our understanding of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. So let me, let me propose an idea for, you to, for us to think about together as we, as we study the word. Evangelism is not something we do. Evangelism is who we are. Turn with me to, to John chapter 13, verses 34 to 35, and allow me to read for us this passage of Jesus speaking with his disciples. And I want you to think about that idea as I read this passage, that evangelism, sharing the good news of Jesus, carrying this message of Jesus Christ forward, is not something we do, it's who we are. Jesus says this in John chapter 13, verses 34 to 35. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the scriptures that are authoritative, that that give us meaning and truth, that that give us comfort when comfort is needed, that give us refuge from the storms of of this life. We thank you for the truth of your word, and specifically Jesus speaking forth into our lives this morning. May your word have its way in us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as I mentioned here in John chapter 13, Jesus is speaking to a small audience of of followers. These are his closest disciples that he's gathered in the upper room. This is actually the night that Jesus will be betrayed and then put on trial, and the following day he'll be crucified on the cross. And and in fact, where we're reading here in John chapter 13, Judas has just been kind of given permission to leave the table, and Judas exits out into the night, and what we know is he's going to, to connect with uh, the officials, the, the temple officials who will come back to arrest him and put him on trial. But as Judas leaves, and, and at, or after Judas leaves, Jesus gathers them again and, and, and begins to emphasize some, some truth, some, some, some things that he wants his, his disciples to grab hold of because he knows what's coming for himself. He knows that he's going to die and, and, and in being separated from his disciples, he wants them to take hold of a truth of what this new life that he's ushering them into will be, right? Because of Jesus' death and resurrection, even the community of God, not just as individuals, but the, the community of followers of Christ will be renewed. There will be a newness to the life that they'll be living in. All right, so let me pause here and ask if you're confused by Jesus' statement. Right? He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you're to love one another. Does that, does that sound confusing to you? It should sound confusing to you because that doesn't sound like a new commandment to me. In fact, that sounds like a commandment that was given way back in the Mosaic Law, back in Leviticus, when, when God tells Moses to command the people that they are to love their neighbors as, their self, as themselves. In other words, love one another, Right? So what's new about this commandment that Jesus is giving here in John chapter 13? Well, what's new about it is that it's a commandment that pertains particularly to the people who are living in this new messianic age, to the people that have put their faith in Jesus, who trust him to be their savior, 
and, and then are becoming part of this body of Christ that Jesus is building around him through his death and resurrection. Let's not forget that, that, that Jesus is saying these things to his disciples when he's talking about this new community that's going to be established in his death and resurrection. When Jesus is talking here in John 13 is important to our understanding of what he's saying. It gives the context for us to understand that it's more than just this nice, pithy saying that we should be kind to one another, we should love one another. Jesus is saying, hey, this is, part of, this is going to be the way of life when you're living in my kingdom. In other words, these are, these are marching orders for the people of the new covenant. This is their commandment to be a people, not just to do things or do life a certain way, but to be a people who march by the beat of Jesus' life and teachings, and specifically here, namely, that they would love one another. These aren't these aren't instructions just for people who have signed up to serve on the evangelism team at their church or, or, or people who are serving on pastoral staff. This is for everyone. So what is this new commandment? That we love one another. Now, you know, we've, we've studied love in the Bible before. We could, we could spend the next few minutes exploring the, the three different Greek words for love, agape, phileo, eros. We could, we could kind of understand what's the nuance of the different words and, and, and what, what they give to the context of understanding love, but that's, that's not going to be a, a valuable or fruitful use of our time this morning. We, we could explore the list of, of Paul's description of what love is in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13. You know, where that passage that we, we oftentimes read at weddings and, and things like that, that, that kind of give that long list of, of, of a description of what love is. But I don't think that would be useful for our time. I, I think Jesus actually clues us in in a more specific way of what it means to, to be a, 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 a citizen in this kingdom that Jesus is establishing through his own life, death, and resurrection. He says, love one another as I have loved you. Love one another as I have loved you. Better than a, a definition of what love is, which we can find, you can open up the, the back of your Bible and look for love and, and read all the different passages that have the occurrence of love in it. You could do that, but better than that would be to look at the life of Jesus and see the example of love that he lives for us. It's almost like a spiritual game of follow the leader, right? Which would be fun. Or nowadays, if you were to go to YouTube, you could find out how to do anything on YouTube. It'd be like, let's go to YouTube and look at how to, how to love or how to do this, how to do that. I, I actually, the other day, I just did a quick, you know, two-minute search uh, of how-to videos. And in a matter of seconds, I found out how to make a vegan turkey and, and how to survive a supermax prison. You could, you could find out how to do anything on YouTube nowadays. But long before YouTube... Jesus showed us how to love one another with his life, right? When, when someone says, hey, let's open the word and, and look at the life of Jesus, it's not just to tell us what he did in history. It's to understand how he did it, to, to, to kind of draw close to the character of Jesus and understand what he lived for and, 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 and to what end he lived his life. Jesus says, you are to love one another as I have loved you. So maybe rather than asking, what does it mean to love? 
we should be asking, how did Jesus love us? How did Jesus spend his life loving others, loving us? Probably the most direct example we could turn to is found in John chapter 15, verses 12 to 13. There he says, this is my commandment. Still in the same kind of scene sitting around the, the, in the upper room talking to his disciples. He says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Now, in the immediate context of, this, of these verses, Jesus is still talking about his impending death. He's still acknowledging that in the coming hours, he's going to be arrested, put on trial, and be killed. But, but physically dying for another person isn't the only way that we can lay down our life for another, is it? So I think, I think we're more than just physical beings. Your life is not just a physical life. It's also spiritual and emotional, and it's relational, Laying down our life for others means sacrificing our wants and desires for another. It means uh, in Philippians 2, when, when uh, Paul's talking about Jesus, he talks about Jesus who did not uh, consider the, the needs of himself ahead of others. Laying down our lives means saying no to yourself so that you have the capacity to say yes to other people. Jesus lived sacrificially toward others. And so sacrificially living to bless others is not just how Jesus loved us, but how we can love others as well. How we can live into this new commandment that we would love one another. Another example of how Jesus loved us is found in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, where, where Paul tells us that God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, this sounds like the last example where we talk about how God showed his love for us by Jesus dying for us. But, but more than Jesus dying for us is the graciousness with which he did it. Do you, do you see that part where it says that God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us? Even while we, were, while we were still enemies of God, even while we turned our backs to him and, and didn't even acknowledge that he was someone worthy of our attention, he, he pursued us. He came for us. He loved us. He took the initiative to draw near to us. That's grace. That, that's, that's the embodiment of grace. It's Jesus taking the initiative to come to us, to, to draw near and to die for us. Jesus loved us by taking our guilt and our sin that we might live with God. Now, would you say that taking a, a gracious initiative toward other believers in your life, e even, even when they don't deserve it, describes your relationship with others in the church? E even when you know that you are justified in being disappointed or upset or angry with someone else that's within the body of Christ, do you, would you say that, that graciously taking the initiative to go to them, to draw near to them, to love them, would that describe your relationship with other, other believers in the church? Oh, well, they were, they were gossiping about me, or, or, or they were saying unkind things about me when they thought I wasn't around. Or they, they didn't remember, remember my name, or they didn't include me, or they didn't remember it was my birthday. So, so you know what? I'm justified in ignoring them. I'm justified in being upset and angry with them. No, I think while we were 
still living apart from God in sin, he loved us and he died for us. That's the example of love that Jesus gives us. Another example is found in John chapter 17 where, where Jesus prays for his disciples. Again, we're, we're talking about this scene in the Last Supper where, where, where they're just kind of wrapping up their time together and Jesus spends time praying for his disciples. But he doesn't pray, hey, God, make sure that they don't get sick or make sure that their car doesn't break down or, 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 or make sure that they have a job. No, he prays for their unity. If you read John chapter 17, you'd see that Jesus is praying for their unity. He prays for his followers to have the strength to persevere by faith in this world. He prays that their joy might be complete in God. That it wouldn't just be this religious act for them, but that they would find fulfillment in their relationship with God. He prays that they might be sanctified. That they might live a life of being a healthy tree that bears good fruit and be transformed to be more like Jesus. That's, that's how Jesus loved them. He prayed for them. Church, look around the room. You want to love someone in the church body? Who are you going to start praying for? Who are you going to intentionally start to pray for, to, to, to pray that, that, that God would bring unity, a greater experience of, of their unity in the body of Christ, that, that God would, would, would make their joy complete in him, not in the things of this world, not, not in the things that this world tells us will make us feel comfortable or secure or safe, but in him. These are the things we can do to love one another, to, to pray for them. Who are you praying for to be sanctified, to be, to be made holy by God's word? See, I think the example of love that Jesus gave us is found in him praying for his disciples. Another example of how Jesus loved us is the forgiveness that he gave us. You know, after the Romans had nailed Jesus' hands and feet to the, to the cross, and they raised him up between these two criminals, Luke tells us this in chapter 23, verse 34, that, that Jesus prayed out loud, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. So I think Jesus showed us his love by forgiving others. Even as they spat on him. Even as they drove nails into his hands and feet and raised him up to, to suffocate and die on a cross. If you want to know what love looks like and feels like, maybe you need to forgive someone in the body of Christ. Someone who's hurt you. Someone, so, someone who, who, who's offended you. You want to know what love feels like? Take the hard step of forgiving someone. It's not going to be easy. Lo love is not this idea of romantic love which feels warm and gushy and is easy to do. Love is anything but easy. And we see it most clearly here in this place where even as they're killing him, Jesus desires their forgiveness. Jesus loved others by asking the Father on their behalf for forgiveness. Who are you loving by extending forgiveness to someone? You don't even necessarily have to tell them. Maybe you do. Maybe it's a situation where you actually need to go and have that conversation with them. But, but in the depth of your heart, you know if, you're, if you haven't forgiven someone. right? Forgiveness is just saying, oh, I forgive you. 
It's, it's, a, it's a soul level act, a, a, a place of, of embodying, embodying the character of Christ. One more example. We, we get another glimpse of what love looks like when Jesus washes the feet of his disciples in John 13, just a few verses before our passage. Verse 12, when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. So I think humbly serving one another as Jesus served his disciples in washing their feet is one more way we can, we can love one another. Now hear me, it's not necessarily doing what you think feels good to do for someone else. That's not serving them, that's serving yourself because it feels good to you to do that thing, right? Serving one another requires you to kind of come down the ladder of of, of pride, to, to humble yourself, to kind of take on this role that's not about you at all, but is, is all about the person that you're serving. It, it, it's about coming down the ladder of expectations of what you should be doing with your valuable resources and your valuable time, and it's giving yourself to others for their benefit, for their blessing, for their good, not for your own. Jesus has already said, which we kind of looked at before, greater love has no man than this, that he lay his life down for his friends. Humbly serving one another is one way that Jesus has loved us and now we too can love one another. Church, I think it's critical now more than ever for us to learn what it means to love one another. We live in a day and age where the church is not a place to go, right? It used to be a place in our, in our society where it was part of your life. It was part of a healthy life. And, and it was a place that you could go to and, and, and it's not, it's kind of, it's gone away from that. We're, we're no longer, we no longer see the church as being central to who we are. Not, maybe not us here, but as a society. Church is no longer at the center of our society. It's on the outskirts. And maybe that's a good thing, right? Because it's going to challenge us to think about what it means to be the people of God. And we can't, we can't take it for granted, right? Because it's always going to be there. What, what we come to realize is that now more than ever, to be a healthy community of followers of Jesus is going to take work. And it's critical that we step up and do that work. That work begins in your own heart. And it begins as you bring that heart to the community of faith. It's far too easy to, to live in isolation from one another. It, it's far too easy to miss the opportunity that's before us to, to, obe to obey Jesus' command to love one another. See, this commandment is not a if-you-feel-like-it option on Christianity. This is not one of those rules where we say, well, our church has an E-team, so, so we got that that part covered. We love one another. No. There's a group of people that, love, that, are, that, are, that are serving in that capacity to try to love one another. 
But loving one another goes beyond uh, the, the team that we've designated as the people that are going to do that ministry in our church. This is a, a new law that, that, that's laid out for the people living in the kingdom of God as followers of Jesus in this new messianic age. So if you're a child of God and a, a follower of Jesus, loving others within the faith should characterize your whole life. It's part of who you are. We don't do forgiveness. We are forgivers. We don't do acts of service. We are servants. We don't do prayer. We live lives prayerfully petitioning the Father for others. We, we don't do grace. Grace flows out of us because God's grace has been poured out into us. See, God's plan from the very beginning was for us to be conformed to the image of Jesus. To be transformed, to, to not be people that are characterized by the values and the ideas of this world, but to be characterized by the, the life of Christ. The DNA of our soul should match that of Jesus's. So loving others is not something we do, it's, it's who we are. And then sharing that love that Jesus has given us is not something we do, it's who we are. And when we become people who love other followers of Jesus as Jesus loved us, something special happens. I think the world takes notice. Look at verse 35 of John 13, our passage. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So I think when we properly love one another, when we become the church that God intended the church to be, when we become this healthy community of Christ followers who learn to live our faith out in community, the world takes notice. They see a community of, of humble, sacrificial, selfless people who seek Jesus together. They, they see a community of people striving for unity around Jesus, laying down their own need to, to be right or to have their opinion, putting other people's needs and, and expectations and opinions ahead of their own. They see a community that desires God's best for one another. But this experience of seeing Christians love one another does more than just catch the attention of the world. It gives them a, a special kind of knowledge of Jesus. Jesus tells us that all people will know who we are by following, uh, by our love for one another. They'll, they'll know who we're following by our love for one another. John uses the Greek word gnosko, which is, which is more of an experiential knowledge, right? I could tell you some information about myself, such as I'm a bad singer, and then you would know that I'm bad at singing, right? Or I could stand here this morning and I could sing Moon River and you would know that I'm a bad singer in a more personal and experiential way. I'd rather you not know that more personal and experiential way. But see, when Christ followers boldly love one another as Jesus has loved us, we exhibit the love of Jesus to a world that, that so badly needs to know who Jesus is. We give them a different kind of knowledge of Jesus. Not one that they read about in a Bible, but one that they see physically in front of them, tangibly in the relationships of the people that they're interacting with, that they're spending time with, that they're, that they're observing in their community. 
When, when we love one another as Jesus loved us, the world will know experientially that we're disciples of Jesus. And here's the thing. The emphasis is on Jesus, not on you and me. Get this. Rather than pointing to ourselves and saying, hey, by the way, I'm a follower of Jesus. Right? That's, that's who I am. I'm a follower of Jesus. That's not what we're doing. The idea of us loving one another is not letting the world know who we are. It's letting the world see Jesus. Our love for one another lived out is a chance for us to point to Jesus. Just like the Samaritan woman pointed to Jesus by telling the people in the village, hey, come meet this man. Come and see him for yourself. When we say come and see as a community, we're saying our love for one another becomes a visible expression of Jesus' life and teaching. We're pointing people to Jesus as a community. This, this is evangelism at its best, pointing people to Jesus. Remember the, the definition we talked about uh, evangelism that I did not come up with. I don't remember who, who actually said it, but it says evangelism is just one beggar showing another beggar where to find bread, right? We're just beggars who have found bread. But instead of beggars, we're just normal human beings who long to belong and be accepted, Right? That's a common desire and longing for every human being to, fab, to have a place where they belong and are accepted. It drives every human being's emotion, or emotions and will and desire on some level in this world. And so what we realize is we're just human beings who have found a place to belong and be accepted. And instead of bread, we found the love of God manifested for us in his son Jesus. And, and so rather than pointing to Jesus with our words, we point to Jesus by, by living like Jesus and by loving one another. Evangelism is not something we do. Evangelism is who we are. Church, let me say one more time. Now more than ever, we need to not give up meeting together. We need to not give up making a commitment to one another. When we talk about church membership here at Trinity, it, it, it sometimes sounds like it's more of a commitment to, or, or a pre-qualification to vote on the annual budget or, or whatnot. It's not that. I mean, yeah, it does give you the opportunity to do that, but it's so much more than that. It's a faith-based commitment to a community of people who are following Jesus together, who, who have been given a direction from God to, to, to carry this gospel message out into our community, but first by learning to love one another in community. We, we need to not give up meeting together. We need to keep working hard at building this healthy community of, of, of Christ followers with Jesus at the center. We need to keep showing up day after day and week after week, forgiving one another, being gracious to one another, serving one another, praying daily for one another to find our wholeness in Christ, our, our fullness in who God has created us to be. If you want to see the love of Jesus overwhelm and transform the families of our community, then we need to commit to seeing the love of Jesus overwhelm and transform our community here. Church, evangelism is not something we do. It's who we are. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you that, uh, that you, you do love us, that you have shown your love to us. 
that you have shown your love to us, not just in the ways that Jesus taught with his words, but in the manner that he lived his life. Lord, give us courage to love. Love is not easy. Love is not simple. It is hard. So, Lord, give us the courage and the commitment to love one another well. And not to love one another in the ways that we think we should love one another, but to love one another as Jesus has loved us. Have your way in us as a community, Lord. Transform us to be your people, a city that can't be hidden. We want to be the manifestation of your body here on earth. So have your way in us. Empower us to love one another as Jesus loved us. For it's in his name we pray. Amen.